0: Day. Welcome to We Read the Book. I'm Lois Mitchell and we are sans Adam today. However, I'm very lucky to be joined by Erin Ayres from Over the Tabletop. Hi, Erin. Hi, how are you? I'm good. It's very cold here in Australia. How's the weather in Boston?
1: It's very hot in Boston. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I can live vicariously through you though and pretend it's a bit of winter here.
0: Okay, so we're talking about the hunt for Red October this week. So the question of the week is, if you wanted to defect from your country, pause for laughter, how would you snub them on the way out? Do you have an answer, Erin?
1: Well, I've been thinking about this, and I was deciding, like, for what reason I would leave the country, and I think it would be if all of a sudden the government put in a lot of, like, not progressive rules, um, uh, you know, and and disrupted society in a great deal. So I would probably snub them by giving as much money as I possibly could to progressive social justice causes, um, and flipping them off and jetting. Or it would be because the rent is just too high in my area. (laughs) And in which case, I would bail after giving a fair amount of money to affordable housing causes. And then I would probably go to Montreal cuz I like it there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Canada's looking like a good option these days.
1: Their yeah, so- prime
0: ministers pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was there a couple of weeks ago and it is top shelf.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm jealous. I wish I could go to another country just, you know, over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm trying to think what I would do. I think the donating money is a is a um, a really good idea. I would probably, if I wanted to do something a bit more sabotagey, like they do in the Hunt for Red October, maybe I would go to Manus and not that I would ever be able to pull this off because I'm not skilled in any way, but I would <laughs> go to Manus Island and I would free the refugees. That's what I would do.
1: <laughs> okay. That's a, that's a good choice too. I tried to think of like, Oh, I'll give state secrets to, to an enemy uh, country. And then I was like, well, no one has given me state secrets, so I can't yeah, do exactly. that. I pretty clearly can't be trusted with them. So
0: <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, like there's the obvious, like you could assassinate the president or whatever, but like, you like I'm not down with murder you know I just want to make things difficult for them
1: right right I want to write scathing exposés of them as a journalist or you know trust in the uh, the the judicial system that sort of thing
0: yeah exactly um okay so uh as I said we're doing the hunt for red october this week so what do you think book or movie
1: okay for me personally the movie. I really liked the movie and I'm surprised that I hadn't seen it because it came out in 1990 and I was a movie watching individual in in 1990. I really I saw the other big movies of that year like The Silence of the Lambs so I'm kind of surprised that I missed this one but I could totally see how the book would be like a plus for a lot of people who love reading about technical military strategies cuz it had a ton of detail and i don't even for all that this is tom clancy's first novel and it's not necessarily my jam it, it's still i don't even think it's badly written i think it's pretty it moves along at a clip at a at a good pace but It had like probably like seventy, sixty to seventy-five percent more submarine detail than I needed, and and the the movie has has spot-on A plus levels of submarine detail. They have everything. It had everything that I needed. So, yeah, yeah, movie.
0: Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I found that whole you know pages and pages and pages of technical engineering jargon really really difficult to wade through Um, yeah because it just isn't something that interests me and there's also it's not just engineering stuff there's also a lot of technical military jargon for instance there's a whole section where a nuclear reactor is melting down and while I'm sure it's very technically I'm sure I'm well, I mean, I don't know because I have no knowledge of this. I, but I, didn't, I didn't
1: fact check it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seems really factually well written and well checked. But as a reader, is that really what you want to be reading? Like exactly what mechanism degrades first and then steam goes into this compartment to cause this? It's like if he just said in a couple sentences the reactor melted down and we got back to the character's. I think yeah. that would have been okay. I would,
1: I would have um, been fine with that, and that was like so much of the novel, and it wasn't even just about military stuff. At one point, like he legit explains what pneumonia is and how to treat it, and I just thought this is not advancing the plot in any way. Like, yeah, it's total. It's like a plot that doesn't even make it into the movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we're going with the book. Um, so next question: Is it a good adaptation? I'm sorry, we're going with movie, not book. We're going with movie. Um, so, is the movie a good adaptation of the book?
1: Yeah, it's super solid. Like, because I it really feel like it, not only does it retain all of the uh, integral stuff in the book, it also has amazing casting. Because you have Jack Ryan, played by Alec Baldwin, or like late 80s, early 90s Alec Baldwin, when he was a luminous individual.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. He's, he's, he's almost, um, offensively good looking. Like you're like, no, no, no. A human doesn't look like that. Like, I mean, cause I guess I'm kind of used to like 30 rock age, um, yeah. Alec Baldwin going back and watching a movie where he's like this young stud. You're just like, Whoa, yeah. you are really attractive.
1: <laughs> but more than like, you know, him being good looking in this. I think he's such excellent casting for Jack Ryan because they make it clear throughout the book that Jack Ryan is way over his head. He's basically like a history PhD who writes books and is not a, like, he works for the CIA. He's not like the classic Hollywood CIA agent. He's very much out of his depth. That's a submarine joke that I made.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. I didn't catch it, so I'm glad that you <laughs> pointed it out. Um I think this um this text is definitely um giving maybe a, a nerdier, more bookish kind of guy a um a fantasy where they can imagine that they're the hero because this right. is this <laughs> is a bookish guy, not a not a big muscle guy.
1: Yeah. I think of yeah. I always think of Tom Clancy as being like very like dad lit, or maybe even like yeah. grand granddad lit. It's the sort of thing that definitely like people who maybe used to be in the Coast Guard read a lot. Yeah, and probably other people or, too. Um,
0: I <laughs> I always think of it as um the book you'd buy to what read on a plane, like if you had a long haul flight. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. And if you liked this sort of, I, I just, as I was reading it, I thought like, oh, I'm super, there was so much that I was super interested in because the way he describes floating around under the, under the sea, like it's super cool. Cause I don't even think of it as like, oh, this is an entire other world that the submarine operators are getting to see. And it really, like, I found that really, really captivating when he would describe that. But then, yeah. as soon as he would get into like, well, and this lever does this, and this button does this, it would be like, "Nope, there went my submarine boner."
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah, same. And also, like, I think the characters are really strong in the book, but they're, sw- they're almost hidden by all of these pages and pages of jargon. And and characters are always what I'm interested in as a reader, so. Yeah, I just I really really struggled to get through through the book. I tried I downloaded the audio book and I was kind of swapping swapping between the two, listening to the audio book. Like when one of those sections came up, my brain would just wander off because I wasn't even having to focus on the words, <laughs> and I suddenly suddenly realised I wasn't even listening anymore. Um. Okay, so we are going with the the movie. So here's aggressively a, though. <laughs> Yeah, aggressively so. Um, Here's a brief plot summary of the movie for people who haven't um, seen or read it. The Hunt for October involves a rogue Soviet naval captain who wishes to defect to the United States with his officers and the Soviet Navy's newest and most advanced nuclear missile submarine. An American CIA analyst correctly deduces his motive and must prove his theory to the U.S. Navy before a violent confrontation between the Soviet and the American Navy spirals out of control. That's a very brief summary. <laughs>
1: it is, but you know what? They, they, they're, it's, it's solid. It's solid. So, like, take that brief summary and then add seventy five more characters. A whole mess of ships, some of which that never actually seem to have any bearing on the plot at all, other yeah. than to. I mean, I think a lot of it might be character development, and also to really give you that sense of. This is what tensions are were like in the Cold War between the U.S. and Russia. And if there's one thing that the book does significantly better than the movie, I have to say, is actually give a lot more backstory to the Russian side um, and, and actually humanizes it quite a bit, which isn't something I would necessarily expect from a book that came out in 1984 in sort of the... Uh, maybe like late stages of the Cold War, but still like actively going on.
0: That's definitely a plus for the book. The thing in the book is, like you said, it it gives a real sense of scope of the actual sort of military actions Mm -hmm. um, of each side. And you almost feel like it's um, a real account because there's so many people that keep like just popping in and not really having having any bearing on what's happening and then you never see that character again but that would be true to like they might have just like one part of the story but that would be true in real life it's just not what really makes a great book right. <laughs> um it, it yeah it sorry, really sorry millions
1: much. of readers
0: yeah <laughs> well it's, it's it's still very very well written like um, for all, for all the criticism that I'm leveling at it, like it's very, very well written. I I don't have anything against Tom Clancy. I think it's just not, not my kind of book. Definitely. Like, I yeah. think there's a reason that lots of people love his writing. They're just not me.
1: <laughs> exactly. Me too.
0: Okay. So the non-plot stuff, um, as you said before, um, this movie came out in 1990 Um, it's directed by John McTiernan, who directed Die Hard and Predator. And I really thought that you could see, he hasn't directed that many movies, maybe like 10 or 12 when I looked at his IMDb. Um, and I was really thinking how you could see the real sensibility that came across, especially from Die Hard, like the color palette Mm -hmm. of the shots and, the way the shots were framed it is very similarly shot to die hard
1: right and the sense of like closed in space as well um yeah. which i don't know if you've ever been on a submarine or any kind of battleship um but i have and it's a t- it's a small space so
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but it also didn't feel claustrophobic like right it didn't just in, feel... just
1: intense
0: yeah yeah, it was good. I really um, liked the way it was shot and um, the choices they, they'd made with, yeah, like colour palette and I don't really – one of the other things I don't really know a lot about is like military costuming. You know, if it was like period costumes I would probably be able to tell you a bit more about whether they looked correct but the the military uniforms all looked good to me but someone with a bit more knowledge would probably be able to say, oh, well – this lapel was out of the, you know, the wrong shade of blue and, you know, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, they all looked, they all looked good to me. Everyone looked very smart in their uniforms.
1: Yep. Yeah. The very classic looking, um, the, the, on the Red October, um, the uh, knot officers had on the very classic sailor sort of uniforms. Um, Yeah.
0: Um, so we talked a bit about the casting, um, Alec Baldwin is obviously Jack Ryan and Captain Marco Ramius, who's the um, captain of the defecting Russian officers is Sean Connery, which is an interesting choice for a a Russian captain to have such a strong Scottish accent.
1: They do (laughs) make when they switch, they, they very briefly um, have a moment where he and Sam Neill, um, because everyone is in this movie, like, basically everyone who is anyone uh, and yeah. was also a dude in um, in the early 90s is in this movie. Um, yeah. But they do have a moment where he and Sam Neill kind of try to speak Russian and I half-heartedly thought, like, you know, I have a really good friend who speaks Russian. I would like to know her view on this. Um, yeah. But then I, you know, didn't get around
0: to asking her. Okay, so we've also got uh, Scott Glenn. As uh Commander Mancuso of the USS Dallas, which um is the major American submarine in the movie. Um there's a lot more in the in the book, as we've said. Scott Glenn uh is in my one of my favorite shows at the moment. Uh he's stick in Daredevil. He is, so, and I
1: didn't even realize that until I watched the movie because I've watched all of Daredevil and I messaged my partner. I'm like, why did because he like when when we watch Daredevil he's like Scott Glenn I'm like okay yay um and I said why didn't you tell me that Scott Glenn is Jack Crawford from Silence of the Lambs yes yeah. because at this point in Daredevil I kind of don't recognize him it's been so many yeah. years
0: he looks he looks very different now um, he's older I I think right um,
1: it's yeah it's been it's been like over. 20 years 20 like 27 years at this point so he definitely looks a lot older but i was so excited to see him in this because i love him in silence of the lambs i really enjoy him as stick on daredevil he has that and in all of these roles including the hunt for red october he has that really really quiet dignity going on yeah um so i was very excited to see him as mancuso
0: um, we've already mentioned Sam Neill. he's the uh executive officer of the Red October, sort of the offsider to the captain. hmm We've also got James L. Jones as Vice Admiral James Greer, he's kind of the CIA uh I think he's the deputy director of intelligence.
1: Right, right. He's the one that sets Jack Ryan on his quest.
0: Yeah. Just, just huge, huge names. Um, we got Stellan Skarsgård as the. There's another Russian yeah, ship. Yeah, commander the, the of Tup- the. Tup- Con- Tup- uh, no, Kon, Kon-, Kon-
1: Yeah, Konvalov, or um, and his character Tupolov. Um, he has a real like they do a little switch in the book. Um, in terms of when he actually, uh, a, a switch from the book in terms of when. He actually starts to go after the Red October, but there's great character motivation in the book because he's a former student of Marco Ramius's and he f- he finds it personally offensive.
0: We've also got Tim Curry in this movie. <gasps> we
1: do! <laughs> With his wonderful doe eyes and his, uh, he's, I mean, he's j- he is so, like, he's the diehard, loving mother Russia sort of thing. And he's so, so earnest. I have never seen Tim Curry be that earnest in a movie. And it's just like, I almost didn't want him like, because he believed so, so hard in what they were doing and believed so hard in ramius that i almost didn't want him to really have his bubble burst
0: <laughs> yeah i think the funniest bit in the movie that i mean there's not really any there's not really very many funny bits in this movie but there's a really hilarious bit where basically uh dr petrov who's tim curry's character is the only officer on the ship who isn't in on the plot to defect mm-hmm. They're they're um obviously in the officer's mess having dinner and he's just talking and talking and talking, and nobody else is talking. <laughs> and he's heaping up his plate, and everyone else just wants him to leave because they want to talk about their plot. And
1: so finally, and, they're just kind of like, You can't sit with us. Like, yeah, they're but like, that, can, you you know- go and,
0: yeah, can you go and get these results for us? Like, Sam <laughs> Neal, some- like sends him out the room, and he's like, Right now, like, he's got a plate full of food. <laughs> it's so sad and (laughs) pathetic but it's really funny um and you you feel sorry for the character because he's like he's not in the cool kids club he's like kind of a nerd
1: (laughs) he's just so committed and by the rules and it's like well you live your truth tim curry slash dr petroff like
0: yeah (laughs) oh it's so good I
1: i really do like he he sells that very very well
0: Okay, so we have some other characters, but the kind of minor, maybe the only other one that's really, uh, worth mentioning is uh, Seaman Jones, who's Courtney B. Vance from Law and Order.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, married to Angela Bassett. Um, he is great, and I love that character. I love that character in the um, in the novel. I l- love him in the
0: movie. Oh, all, all. In all, it's it's just a really well made film, and and obviously no, or if there was any, I didn't see it. Like no CGI, it's all practical, which I think if you remade it now, a lot of the stuff would probably be computer generated, which I don't know would be better.
1: Right, right. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't think there's any need for it. like. There's one point where I think there where. The the where tupolev's submarine shoots uh, a missile at the Red October, and I was like, "Oh, look out for that CGI missile that's coming at you!" And that was the oh, only yeah. that was the only place where I felt like, "Well, this is obviously CGI."
0: Um, but and like, at the end, when they're they're in the river, there's um obvious green screen. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. L- shall we get into the plot? Obviously, we're going with the movie plot um and i think that'll be better because it is a lot simpler and it has like a a, an easier through line to follow but the the two texts do start off the same um they both start off with uh ramius and his crew leaving the um port um in russia and Mm -hmm. um heading out to defect basically
1: right i'm I'm really glad that the movie started with a map um, because I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying that my geography is horrible, but I'm also not saying it's very good. So that gave, that gave me a really good sense of like, oh, okay. That's, that's where they're going. They're going around the Scandinavian bits and over towards Iceland. Got it.
0: So uh, pretty quickly into the trip. So we find out that in order to get their orders, they have to unlock a safe on the sub with um, two keys. One, has, one is, belongs to the captain and one belongs to the political officer and this character or this person is on the ship to make sure that um, everything is being done as the party would want it be, to be done basically and they're a very loyal party member. And as soon as that's done, as soon as the, the orders are out of the safe, uh, Ramius kills the political officer by breaking his neck and letting him choke out, which is pretty um, intense. <laughs>
1: it's pretty brutal. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. And then saying that he slipped on his, he slipped on tea.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and hit his head or hit his neck hard enough on the edge of the table to break it. I was like, "Mm, really? (laughs) I mean, I guess accidents do happen. But, yeah, so that that kind of sets up the start of the film. Um, I think then we go to Jack Ryan leaving England Mm -hmm. um, and we get that scene with his daughter. It's a bit different to in the book. Uh, she's just doesn't want to go to bed, so he offers to buy her something, which I'm like, "So you're bribing your child? <laughs> <laughs> A stand-up
1: individual."
0: <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, in, in the, the book,
1: in the book, he's already gone to he he's already left London.
0: No, I think he does. He is still there because doesn't he have the conversation with her about how she's not sure that Santa's going to come to England? He won't know their new address. Oh, and I then he thought has to he get just the Barbie. tells.
1: I thought he just tells Greer about that.
0: Oh, okay. That's actually a weird
1: bit because he keeps on mentioning the Barbie. The Barbie comes up a lot.
0: Yeah. Because
1: (laughs) all of the uh, CIA people keep on calling it the wrong Barbie because he wants to buy her a skiing Barbie. And they're all like, oh, have fun getting the surfing Barbie. And he's like, it's a skiing Barbie. (laughs) He's he's weirdly crotchety about that in the book.
0: So there's a lot of chewing and froing in this bit where in the movie where Jack actually brings the photos of the submarine. He's he's called the meeting with General Greer to show him the photos of the of the new submarine, which is the one that Ramius is captaining. Right. And um I think that's slightly different in the book. I think he does have the photos with him, but I think Greer had called the meeting. Yeah, like they sh- remember.
1: Um well British intelligence got the the photos and they go into it a little bit more like in the book of how they got them and and then also like British intelligence wants something in exchange. So that's why Jack Ryan's there. Jack in both cases wants to take him to an outside consultant who in the Uh, movie is played it's skip tyler and he's played by jeffrey jones um he has a much bigger part in the book and i don't know if he doesn't have one in the movie because jeffrey jones is not what i would call a charismatic actor um yeah and the, the the actor i mean the uh the character in the book is a fairly charismatic guy who's you know been hit by a drunk driver and lost a leg and he's he's pretty like zesty in the book and he's not actually in the movie all that much um that's that's an entire like subplot in the book there are so many parallel realizations like the um crew members of the dallas which include jonesy and mancuso um and then another guy whose name i don't remember they come up with realizations on their own Tyler is coming up with realizations on his own and in the movie they all pretty much just give all of those realizations to Jack Ryan
0: yeah which Um, I think is a good choice because it got so frustrating to hear or to read people having the same conversation about oh um Ramius must be bringing the ship here to defect like that conversation was had about four times. Right. And, so, and yeah, we, we we as an audience already know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, like we definitely already know. And then, like, the only ones that were, um, the, the only realizations that they gave to, that, that they gave to one person in the book and then also gave them to the people in the movie were um, the ones that Jones does because he's the sonar expert and he's the one that yeah. actually figures out oh, I'm hearing a new type of submarine. It's definitely a Russian submarine. And it's got these weird and kind of wacky, like, um, uh, propellers that are supposed to be, like, super silent. I I am much, much more heartened by the skill of the U.S.'s, um, you know, naval and intelligence officers uh in the movie than in the book because it take a long ass time to do it in the book
0: yeah and also um i know like they make they make a he makes a huge point in the book about how the fact that the red october is coming towards america and they're not a hundred they think they're affecting but they're not a hundred percent sure of the motive They're, they're like this is the most top top secret level of you know document but it does seem kind of ridiculous in places where people are people who are directly involved with what's happening haven't been given all the information right and i'm sure that's ac- i'm sure that's accurate because i you know the military is a bureaucracy just like any other government body mm-hmm. so that happens all the time in bureaucracies where people who need to know stuff aren't told it um <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, it's just really frustrating as a reader when you're like, why doesn't this character know this already? Why am I being told this again?
1: Right. Like, and in the book, like, a bunch of people die because they haven't been told but they uh, about what's happening, and yet they're all rushing to follow these orders. There, There are, like, in the book, there are so many more, like, steps to get to the exact same place. So that really amplifies, like, the fact that it is a good adaptation because you don't go through all of those steps, but you still feel the fact that, like, you feel the, the pressing nature of it. Yeah, they have a lot of people working on it as opposed to just Jack Ryan getting um, Scott Glenn to buy into his plan. And they make that sort of the crux yeah. of the, the, the latter half of the movie, you know, their interactions, which... I would probably watch their interactions all day long and be content, much like I would have continued watching. I don't remember the actor's name, but he played Uncle Howard in the Michael J. Fox movie Secret of My Success. Um, He plays Pelt, the NSA advisor. Um, Oh, yeah, he was good. Yeah, (laughs) he spends most of his time talking to uh, the Russian ambassador, who's played by Joss Ackland. Um, I, I enjoyed their interactions very much, which they pop up every now and then. During the movie, and I feel really take a nice take a nice encapsulation of everything going on in the book in terms of um, the spy who gives them information. Um, another like added uh, plot with the head of the Senate Intelligence Committee, um, and they just kind of all put it in like. Here are these two guys that are negotiating on behalf of both countries.
0: I really, those were also like a couple of other bits of humor in the movie because the poor Russian, you felt sorry for the Russian ambassador because.
1: Right. Because he obviously knows what's going on at this end at the same time is like, well, I am a diplomat. I'm going to try to be diplomatic.
0: Yeah. And also, you get the sense as the movie goes on that he knows that the president knows, or not the president. Um, um we lost so the, the, probably, the train of the plot. Tyler. <laughs> yeah, we've kind of jumped around a bit. So let's just. This is the problem with the book. It's well, like not the problem with it, but like talk. The problem with talking about it is, it jumps around from place to place and character to character so much that it's it's really hard to talk about. Um, but I'd say the next big plot point in both book and movie is this um, issue of a radiation leak so in the book it's clear from the get-go that it's a faked radiation leak because we get that from the perspective of the doctor and then the perspective of Ramius that they they know that the they the The men on the ship, the men on the submarine wear radiation badges, which at the end of every shift, the doctor tests to see how much radiation they've, you know, had blasted onto them basically.
1: Right. Because they um, are riding in like an underwater nuclear power plant for the most part. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And um, Ramius or one of his people has um, messed with these badges so that they show a much higher level of radiation than they're actually receiving. And so the doctor brings them to him and is like, there must be a leak because they're getting way more radiation than they should be.
1: Is there some, is there an actual leak though? Because they, um, and jumping ahead in the plot with both, like there is a, is actually a saboteur on the red October.
0: This is the plot line that I am least sure about. I was like one minute, one, you know, one chapter I would be, or like one bit in the movie, I would be like, okay, so it's a faked radiation leak. And Mm -hmm. then the next chapter, I'll be like, oh, no, it's real because there's a saboteur on the boat. And then the next chapter, I'll be like, no, he knows about it, so it must be fake.
1: It's super confusing.
0: It's so confusing.
1: Yeah. When they first introduce it, you don't know if there is actually a radiation leak. The officers who are in on the plot are kind of trying to suggest that it's not, but they are investigating it because they don't want the doctor to cause any problems or anything. And... It's my impression that the radiation leak is a real one, because they find little holes that have been drilled. They, they get the holes plugged up, cause, so they're, they know that there's a saboteur, and then later on in both the book and the movie, they do actually fake a radiation leak to get everyone out of the ship. Does that make right, sense? okay.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I just I didn't follow that plot line at all in Ether text. I was like I don't understand what's going on is it real or not? <laughs> and then the even more confusing thing in the book is that there's an entirely different Russian submarine that actually does have a meltdown. So this whole plot line with the other ship that melts down and then the cook is found by the Americans and taken to hospital because he's got frostbite and and then they're worried that this is the 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 Red October and this is the cook from the Red October and he's going to wake up and reveal to the Americans about the Red October. It's so confusing because it's like this is a parallel to what's happening on the Red October, but when you have already have so many characters and so many ships and so many everything to keep track of, the fact that the exact same thing that's happening basically on the Red October is happening on another ship as well. No. Doesn't That help entire the plot, plot it just the, makes it um, confusing?
1: Uh the pellets. Pulitz- <laughs> Gaia, I think the or Politsky. I think there was a. I think there was a V in it. That particular. That's the plot yeah. line where you know the cook is the one that's the only survivor, and that's the one where they take him to a military hospital and where they explain what pneumonia is and how to treat it. And at one point, I think they also explain like what doctors are, and it's just like I put in my notes like as I was reading the Kindle like. How is this advancing the plot? Like, how is this at all, you know, part of the renegade Russian sub that everyone else is chasing? So there were an awful lot of, like, side things. And in the, the movie, they just merge that one thing into, like, there's one saboteur, he is a cook, and, and he's on the Red October. And the other ship isn't even in the movie at all. And as far as I was concerned, that was the best thing that the movie the movie could have done other than all the uniforms and stuff but yeah it it was just like nope this is extraneous
0: the thing that really stuck out to me was um when the americans pick up the the cook from the ship that exploded they there's like two pages of explaining the backstory of his american doctor yeah this character who we never see again I don't need to know that he's a Mormon and he went to this university and he passed with top honours and and he's a good man and um, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't need to know any of this. Um, we better got to okay. um, <laughs> get through a bit more of the plot. I'm <laughs> having and, and honestly, a good time we're being, chatting. Um, I know. But and we're, we're, like even, we're, and we're being much more expeditious plot. than Tom
1: Clancy was, so...
0: <laughs> yeah exactly this is the problem with such a weighty text you're like oh god we've so much to talk about so this meanwhile the soviets are looking for the red october ramius has sent because ramius is kind of a a jerk basically he he just doesn't just want to disappear he wants that his superiors to know why he's disappearing so he sends a letter to um a friend he has in the upper echelons of the Russian government basically saying, ha ha, got your sub um, <laughs> exactly he's like, nya,
1: nya. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, yeah
0: and even even his and, compatriots
1: on the ship are like, why did you do that?
0: yeah, we could have just got away it what, would have been easy what's wrong um, with but you? Yeah. so basically the whole Russian navy yeah, the whole Russian navy's out looking for um, the Red October and British and American navies as well. So, kind of instead of, well, not instead of, but kind of at this point in the movie, um, we've had those scenes with Pelt and the Russian ambassador. And he, um, the Russian ambassador comes back to Pelt um, after Pelt. So, at first, the Russian ambassador says to Pelt, this is embarrassing, but we've lost a sub and you think, oh, he's telling the truth. But then he says, and it has the the sons of several very high-level politicians on it, and it's a rescue mission, basically, which obviously isn't true. Because right. <laughs> that's that's where we,
1: where we keep our sons of top party members.
0: Yeah. Pelt knows it isn't true, so he counters by saying, oh, well, how can we help? We'll send out rescue teams. <laughs> which of course wasn't what the ambassador wanted because if they find the ship, then they're going to know that he (laughs) lied. And so then, then he comes back and he says, uh, he says, look, I lied. It's not, we don't need you to help us with a rescue mission. He says it's the red October and that Ramius has, is trying to leave, is not following orders. But instead of saying that he's trying to defect, he says that he wants to launch missiles at the U S coast, hoping that, this will cause the Americans to blow up the sub themselves without talking to Ramius on the inside. And these are the orders that go to the Dallas that, right. you know, engage with the the Red October and destroy it because it's coming to them, America to hurt people, basically.
1: They believe that, but Ryan continues to insist, no, no, that's not true, that's not true and he does manage to convince Scott Glenn's character the uh captain of the Dallas that that's the case but in the movie there are a couple tense moments there which is ni- I think that's ni- that's some nice um interplay between those two characters
0: I think in the in the book it's just that until they actually like physically meet Ramius, the characters I think it's basically the military is acting on this very intelligent analyst thinks that they might be trying to defect. We're still going to go in with like caution because we're not sure they might, they might try and attack us, you know, they might try and destroy our subs or whatever. And so basically for the military in book, it's always up in the air. Whereas I think in the movie you kind of needed this more decisive action because, because it adds tension Whereas, if you had that basically the plot being we don't know what's going on in the movie, you kind of would have no tension,
1: right, I think he also had to prove himself in the movie,
0: yeah, exactly no no barrier for Jack Ryan to overcome because in the in the book, it does get a little bit irritating that basically everyone he talks to listens to him, yeah <laughs> yeah, so i I thought it was a good change it was it was fine and unbelievable, I think, like if an ambassador tells you that even a possibility that this is a very dangerous situation and and that 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 particular country has also previously been there has been a threat of nuclear attack from that particular country
1: mm-hmm.
0: you are probably going to act with um more aggression than you would if say the uh, the british ambassador came in and said oh we have a rogue sub <laughs> who's gonna blow you up like it, it being a Russian sub and the Russian ambassador saying that, I think that's pretty realistic that America would respond that way because historically that's been the case,
1: right? Very much of the time as well.
0: Yeah. Um. So this is where the um other Soviet sub sinks in the book, um, and the other sailor survives. We've already covered all of that. Oh, sorry, we have to go back a little bit. Uh, so Jack Ryan says, "You've got to get me aboard the Dallas. Um, I need to. I need to talk to them." So they fly him out there, and there's a really tense scene where he's like swinging back and forth on a rope from a helicopter above the sun. Yeah, I thought that was the really wind well and rain done. Are lashing him, <laughs> he goes aboard the Dallas, and a Captain Mancuso receives his orders to fire missiles at the the Red October. And Jack Ryan, as you said, is like, "No, don't do that. He's trying to defect. Please, just let me talk to him." Mm-hmm. Um, and they manage to they they just they just pull up alongside and they open their missile doors but they don't do anything and they just sit there and so uh Ramis realizes by this action that they're giving him a chance to talk so he surfaces and puts his periscope or slightly surfaces and puts his periscope up right
1: and they send and they a signal the same.
0: they send a signal um must be through morse yeah
1: it's, um, um yep.
0: giving him instructions saying um are you trying to defect give us a signal and he sends one of their pings right the just you know as, as just sort of yes. one ping <laughs> they give him the instructions to go to this it's not a trench i don't think but it's a very deep section of water right um further south mm-hmm. and this is where it becomes hazy as to what what their plan is in the movie so in the book the plan is to take them to a deep section of water have another submarine, like an old decommissioned American submarine, in the place in the water. Right,
1: right. Um, They've thought it out a lot more in the book. Fake,
0: fake a yeah. Take take the crew out for whatever reason. Res- rescue, quote unquote, the crew, mm-hmm. and then explode the other sub um, while the Red October gets away with the the captain and etc. Inside. Mm-hmm. So that's all really clear in in the book. So in the movie, they send them to this deep part of the water, and they meet up with the ship. And there's a frigate, um, which is a a you know um on water ship that meets up with the the um, Red October. And this is where the in the movie the Red October puts in place its plan to. I don't know if it was ever a plan, but it's maybe a plan they came up with in the moment. It's it's really not clear. But basically, they they stage a nuclear reactor meltdowns to get rid of the crew. Right, right. So they they surface, and the crew are getting into lifeboats. And Ramiya says to Doctor Petrov, "We're gonna scuttle the ship so the Americans can't get a hold right. of it." Right,
1: and Doctor um, Petrov is so moved at that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So they they send they send off the crew and go back underwater. Um, um so this is where the Konovalov um appears. Right.
1: And that and that was the fl- that was the wrinkle in their yeah. plan, like the Konovalov showing um, up. Um
0: and and uh, Jack Ryan and Jonesy and Captain Mancuso and I think one other um officer have have at this point boarded the the Red October. Um and there's there's a really mm-hmm. cool scene where they're all just standing looking at each other when they first meet them. So yeah, the Konovalov appears, it starts firing on them. They're trying to avoid the missiles and then the Dallas intercepts the missile. There
1: was at least one, um, the first missile that they shot at them was Ramius directed the Dallas to move closer to it so that it would hit the missile and break it apart before it had been armed, yeah. um, because it was it a remote arming. Um, and then the second one, they just outmaneuvered in a way that it turned around and hit the Kanakalof
0: instead. So that's, um, yeah, that, that, that scene's kind of as you would expect. Um, meanwhile, the, the crew are standing aboard the, the U.S. frigate, and when the Konovalov explodes, you get this really cool shot of the water dispersing from, like it lights up the, the shape of a submarine under the water. You can see the shape of a submarine. And then obviously the water disperses from the explosion and blows up into the air from the explosion.
1: Right. Right. And it doesn't look like CGI. Yeah. Like it, it may be, but it doesn't look like it. I think it, it's a nice practical Yeah, it looks effect. really
0: cool. Um, and of course they don't know that the konovalov is there and they think that uh the uh captain and executive officers have exploded the uh red october so they all there's a moment of solemnity as they um they stand there and you know realize well think that these these guys have killed themselves for mother russia
1: <laughs> yeah they've died va-, va valiantly and violently
0: yeah um, so, meanwhile, what's happening on the Red October, you know, sort of interspersed with this missile attack is um, the saboteur didn't leave the ship and he starts shooting at them and Sam Neill's character gets shot and killed, which is so it's sad. It's so sad because yeah. all he wanted
1: to do was go see Montana and drive yeah, and, around in an and, SUV. And have
0: and have, a, have breed rabbits with a fat American wife. <laughs> Right. Two yeah. actually two
1: wives is what he wanted, which
0: yeah. you know Well
1: yeah don't don't get greedy, Sam
0: Neil. But yeah. So Ramius and Ryan follow the saboteur, Ramius gets shot in the shoulder, which leaves just Brian to deal with the guy. There's a funny there's a funny ongoing joke in the movie where every time Ryan like has to get into a helicopter or um, you know, because he hates flying and stuff. He's like, mm-hmm. next time, just send a memo, Jack. Send a memo, <laughs> like, um, right. and he's writing it that. down. <laughs> yeah, he's just doing. He's doing that in this in this bit as well when he's like crawling along on his elbows and stomach along like a gangway and getting like dirty water poured poured all over him and like he's getting shot at and he's like send a memo Jack just send a memo like (laughs) it's really funny and
1: and Ramius tells it gives him his gun and says like here I mean be careful where you shoot and because like you know he's on a nuclear submarine (laughs) yeah exactly
0: they're underwater in a bomb (laughs) Mm mm-hmm and, yeah, he's like, he's like, I need to be careful because he's getting shot at. And he's like, I need to be careful where I shoot. What about, like, what about the <laughs> what other about guy? What about this
1: guy? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly.
0: He, he's not concerned about this at all. Yeah. It's like there's lots of delicate equipment like me. <laughs> um, He he ends up catching up with the guy and the guy's, he's got the, the saboteur and he's got two wires and he must, I didn't really understand what he was going to do, but I think he was going to, like. I d- I'm like, are you trying to wire the submarine? Yeah. <laughs> I think he was going to like connect like the nuclear reactor to something. I don't know. The, that would probably be a lot more difficult than just connecting two electric wires, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to do something bad, and he doesn't give in, so Jack Ryan has to shoot him. The end. They go to America. Exactly. What are your verdicts? We usually do... Um, a thumb up or thumb down for um, both. And it doesn't have to be what it can be. They can be both thumbs up. They can be both thumbs down, whatever you want um, for book and movie.
1: Oh gosh. You know, I actually have to give, all right. I would give two thumbs up to the movie. I think this is a great, I have two hands, so I'm going to do two thumbs up to the movie. I'm only going to give one thumbs up to the book because it had way too much extra stuff. The extra stuff that was interesting to the plot, I'm okay with. Um, But the other stuff, no, that gets a thumb down.
0: Okay. I'm going to go thumbs up for the movie. Um, It's a really great movie. It's really watchable. It's a great movie. I'm going to thumbs down the book with a qualifier. Um, I'm not going thumbs down because it's a bad book. I think it's a really well-written book uh, and Obviously, there are lots of people in the world who really enjoy Tom Clancy books. It's just not for me. So that's why I'm giving it a thumbs down. Um, right. I, agree I just with that. couldn't get into it. Um, the only reason I kept re- reading it was because I had to read it for the podcast. I mean, I'm glad it wasn't excruciating to read. Like, the language is really good, the writing is good. Yeah, it's just not for me. It really reminded me of when you're with, like, a really little kid, like a seven-, eight-year-old kid, and they're obsessed with something, and that's all they want to talk about, and they will tell you in minute, minute detail about, like, Excruciating detail. And you're like, you're like, oh, yep, I support you in your endeavours. I am not interested. (laughs) Yeah, that's the Hunt for Red October. Yay! We did it. Um, (laughs) Consider the Hunt for Red,
1: the the Red October found. (laughs) (laughs)
0: um is there just quickly is there anything else that you would like to recommend that you've been into recently
1: oh gosh I mean I I have been on a little tear of reading I um for a podcast I guested on recently I read a really good vampire novel enter night um and as part of that I recommended the vampire movie what we do in the shadows so I guess Watch that that's on my mind of something that's really good that's um, a great movie it is great it was really it was very very enjoyable in a lot of different ways
0: so my recommendation is related to this um I love the Jurassic Park movies and I recently went and rewatched them I mean obviously the second one has its issues but I actually quite enjoy the third one as well um as the first one um so yeah, if you haven't if you haven't watched Jurassic Park in a while, um, give them a look out. They they still they still hold up. They're so good, and yeah, obviously Sam Neill was in this movie, so that was what made me think of them. So we are um, available on iTunes every fortnight ish. Um, <laughs> sometimes the podcast comes out a little late, but yeah. Roughly once a fortnight, um, we appear on iTunes, uh, also on Stitcher. If you want to, um, listen to us there, if you're an Android user and hit us up on all the social media, apart from Facebook, we don't have a Facebook page. Um, I will just give a quick plug to, um, Erin's podcast, uh, Over the Tabletop. It's yeah, it's, it's really great. Do you want to talk about it a bit, Erin?
1: Sure. Um, uh, my partner and co-host ta- and I talk about two-player board games. Um, it comes out every week on Wednesdays, and we are also on all of the um, all your favorite pod catching devices and uh, systems. Yeah, we 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 talk about any and all board games. There are an awful lot of digressions about movies and other popular culture that tie into whatever game we happen to be talking about. So I think it's light and fun and relatively quick. And I invite you to join us at Over the Tabletop on Twitter, Facebook, and all of the other places.
0: Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks for uh, listening, everyone. Um, I'm sure Adam will be back next time. Until next time, I'm Lois Charlie Mitchell. And I'm Erin Crazy Ivan Ayres. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.
1: Cool. Oh, shit. Get your towels ready. It's about to go down. Everybody in the place hit the fucking deck. But stay on your motherfucking toes. We running this. Let's go. I'm on a boat look at me cause I'm sailing on a, I'm on, a I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat.
0: Take a good hard look at the motherfucking boat. I'm on a boat, motherfucker, take a look at me. Ooh. Oh crap. Hi, sorry, I put my thumb on the um oh, okay, button. okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs>